Good evening. My name is Vitoria and I will be your conference operator today. Welcome to PagBank PagSeguro's webcast results for the third quarter 2022. At this time, all lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. Should any participant need assistance during the call, please press star zero to reach the operator. This event is also being broadcast live via webcast and may be accessed through PagBank PagSeguro's website at investors.pagseguro.com. Participants may view the slides in any order they wish. Today's conference is being recorded and will be available after the event is concluded. I would now like to turn the call over to your host, Eric Oliveira, Investors Relation and ESG Director. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining our third quarter 2022 earnings call. Today, we have with us Ricardo Dutra, CEO of UOL Group and board member of PagBank PagSeguro, Alexandre Maiani, CEO, and Arthur Schunk, CFO. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. Before proceeding, let me mention that any forward-look statements included in the presentation or mentioned on this conference call are based on currently available information and PagBank PagSeguro's current assumptions, expectations, and projections about future events. While PagBank PagSeguro believes that the assumptions, expectations, and projections are reasonable in view of currently available information, you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. Actual results may differ materially from those included in PagBank PagSeguro's presentation or discussed on this conference call for a variety of reasons, including those described in the forward-looking statements and risk factors sections of PagBank PagSeguro's most recent annual report on Form 20F and other findings with the Securities Exchange Commission, which are available on PagBank PagSeguro Investor Relations website. Finally, I'd like to remind you that during this conference call, the company may discuss some non-GAAP measures including those disclosed in the presentation. We present non-GAAP measures when we believe that the additional information is useful and meaningful to investors. The presentation of this non-GAAP financial information, is not, which is not prepared under any comprehensive set of accounting rules or principles, is not intended to be considered separately from or as a substitute for our financial information prepared and presented in accordance with IFRS as issued by the IASP. For more details, the foregoing non-GAAP measures and the reconciliation of these non-GAAP financial measures to the most directly comparable IFRS measures are presented in the last page of this webcast presentation and earnings release. With that, let me turn the call over to Ricardo. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Good evening from Sao Paulo, and thank you, Eric. Going to slide three, I would like to begin our presentation with the main message for Q3 2022. We reported the highest EPS impact history for third quarters, achieving $1.16, real and 16 cents, up 20% versus the same period of 2021. Tax Seguro TPV reached 90.3 billion reais, growing 
35% year over year and one more quarter outpacing by far the industry growth. Our successful repricing led to a net take rate 24 BIPs higher than Q1 2022. Peg bank deposits reached 19.4 billion reais, 171% higher than the same period of 2021. Peg bank net ads accounted for 1.1 million new clients, leading to almost 26 million clients, reaffirming Peg Bank's position as the second largest digital bank in Brazil in number of clients. CapEx to revenue ratio was 12.4%, lower 230 BIPs when compared to second quarter 2022, and trending down moving forward. Going to slide 4, once again, our successful strategy on democratizing the access of financial services and payment solutions in Brazil resulted in record numbers in all main KPIs this quarter. In payments platform, TPV was 90.3 billion reais, and our revenues reached 3.7 billion reais, growing faster than TPV and reaching almost 50% growth year over year. Monthly TPV per merchant grew 39%, reaching 4.1 thousand reais, and our gross profit reached 1.3 billion reais. In financial services, Peg Bank TPV outpaced acquiring TPV for the first time, totaling 105 billion reais with 339 million reais in revenues. Our gross profit was 76 billion reais, increasing 35 million reais in comparison to the last quarter due to our cautious approach in credit underwriting given the macro uncertainties. In Q3 2022, 100% of credit underwriting was secured, which helps the company to balance the asset quality at the same time exploring a safe entry point in loan for consumers. Our deposits reached the impressive number of almost 20 billion reais, 171% growth year over year. Overall, at the center of the slide, total revenue and income reached 4.04 billion reais, 45% higher than Q3 2021. Net income on a non-gap basis reached 411 million reais, while the gap net income reached 380 million reais, 18% higher than the same period of 2021, and the highest net income of PAG's history for third quarters. Now. I'll pass the word to Alexandre to share some views about our business units. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Ricardo, for the initial remarks. Moving to slide five, we compare our performance relative to CARD's TPV market, and I'm proud to say that we have been able to keep growing with profitability, which reinforces our successful repricing initiatives and unique value proposition for our clients. The chart on the left, we are the TPV market share gain winner in this quarter when compared to Q4 21, growing 92 basis points considering the Brazilian Cards Association criteria for TPV market share. As we can see in the second chart, although every player has been increasing prices, our repricing initiatives were the most successful. By focusing on creating a strong relationship with our clients and having a unique value proposition, we were able to increase 
our net take rate much more than our peers over this year. Finally, in the chart on the right, to compare profitability in a fair and easy way to understand, when we look at how much profit each company can extract in net income over TPV, we can see that PAGS is three to five times more profitable than peers. Moving to slide six, I will start the segment highlights with PAGS Seguros overview during the quarter. PAGS Seguros total revenue and income grew 49% year over year, reaching 3.7 billion reais, faster than TPV, thanks to the successful repricing process over the year that resulted in an increase of 24 base points on Pagseguro's net take rate since Q1-22. TPV grew 35% year-over-year, totaling 90.3 billion reais, negatively impacted by deflation during the quarter. With each, our market share in payments reached almost 11% from 8% in Q3-20. On the next slide, we have been prioritizing recurrency and profitability versus merchant cross-addition. We have been more selective in our acquisition strategy during 2022, reducing subsidies and focusing on the best sales channels to improve new merchants' acquisition quality. As a result, we grew the new merchants' average TPV by 36% through online channel and we also increase it by 39% the overall average TPV per merchant on a year-over-year basis. Our number of active merchants, excluding MOIC, reached 7.2 million in September 2022. This strategy results in a higher activation of POS device, higher TPV per merchant, and higher upselling and cross-selling opportunities for packback. Consequently, the positive results to be expected are lower capex to revenue ratio, lower POS depreciation per sales, and higher LTV over CAC ratio for the new merchant cohorts, which will contribute to margins rebound and cash flow generation in the future. Moving to slide 8, I would like to update you all regarding our business diversification initiatives. Hubs reached 31% of Pagseguro TPV in the third quarter, maintaining a strong growth as our operation covers approximately 90% of the Brazilian GDP. This accelerated growth is explained by our unique value proposition that combines banking and payments experience through a single app and customer care operation, provides faster POS delivery, instant settlement, and a complete value-added service offering as presented in the right side of the slide. As we see a growth opportunity in the online payment segment, we have been improving our operation and completing our set of solutions for our clients. We always focus on non-channel sales, integrating different payments in the physical and online channel, also adding payment options beyond cards such as PICs. I would also like to update you that our cross-border operation, previously called Boa Compra, was rebranded during the third quarter and now is also recognized as PagSeguro. This is an important step since PagSeguro brand awareness is very strong and as a result, it should reinforce our cross-border payment business. On slide 9, I'll give you some updates about PagBank operation. 
Pike Bank reached 25.9 million clients, being almost 16 million active clients, which around 58% are consumer clients. Moving to the bottom of the chart, primary bank choice keep increasing for both publics, consumers and merchants, reaching around 60% for consumers and 50% for merchants. Pagbank Cashin totaled 41.9 billion reais in 3Q22, an increase of more than 10 billion reais compared to Q2 22, and most of the cashin was driven by PIX transactions. I am happy to share that our market share over PIX transactions has been increasing and reached 9.5% during the quarter. Deposits totaled 19.4 billion reais, an increase of 171% versus the same period of 2021, and almost 4 billion rise increases versus Q2. This increase is really important for our business since it helps us to be more competitive by lowering funding costs. Moving to slide 10, I would like to do an update regarding our credit products. Total credit portfolio reached 2.7 billion reais, up 71% year over year, mainly driven by the increase of payroll loan and FGTS early prepayment, which are consumer-focused products, representing now 31% of the portfolio. Asset quality remains a priority for our company, and since last quarter, we decided to increase our exposure to security products, balancing our portfolio mix. Doing so, secured products reached 35% of the credit portfolio, up from 5% in Q3-21. Also, as Ricardo mentioned, we just launched our secured credit card backed by Pike Bank Balance account and have been vocal on advertising this product, as it addresses consumer and merchant needs. We expect to keep growing our portfolio gradually while making important investments to improve our models and the overall credit cycle pillars. These are top to one priority, and we have been seeing NPLs trending down since July 22, and we expect to keep this downtrend for the coming quarters. In addition, we are also making important progress in our collection processes to decrease delinquency rate. On slide 11, we see how Pike Bank total revenue grew 31% year-over-year, ending the quarter at 339 million reais, stable versus Q2, mainly explained by our focus on secured loans. Total payment volume reached 105 billion, growing 79% year-over-year, as Ricardo said, higher than the acquiring TPV for the first time, reinforcing the increasing engagement of our customers on Pike Bank account, resulting on strong deposits growth and the use of other features such as bill payments and marketplace. Having said that, I pass the word to Arthur, our CFO. Thanks, Alexandre, for the segment's highlight. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us tonight. I will continue the presentation in the slide 12 with our Q322 consolidated results. In the left side, total revenue and income reached a record of 4 billion reais, growing 45% year over year. Net take rate achieved 2.84% this quarter. 
increasing 9 basis points versus last quarter, as shown in the bottom right side of the slide. Important to say that this value excludes one-time effect related to pack phone adjustment in the amount of 53 million reais. On a gap basis, net take rate totaled 2.90%. Gross profit neutral of effects grew 7% year-over-year, impacted by financial expenses growth and the higher chargebacks, mainly related to additional provisions for credit losses. The repricing in acquiring and credit products helped to offset those impacts, leading to higher party bank gross profit in Q322 in comparison to Q222. This quarter again, our operating expenses grew less than total revenue and income growth, showing the cost-driven approach of the company. Controlling costs and expenses is part of our future, and the diligent way we work is a key component of our superior execution. Adjusted EBITDA closed at 770 million reais, up 4% in comparison to the same quarter of last year. Net income non-gap achieved 411 million reais, and net income gap increased 18% year over year, reaching the highest level for third quarters in our history, totaling 380 million reais. This represents an earnings per share of $1.16 in the quarter, $0.19 cents or 20% better than Q321, as shown in the top chart of the right side. Parts continues to better balance growth and profitability, focusing on improving shareholders' return. Moving to slide 13, in the first chart of the left side, operating expenses reached $615 million in Q322 up 11% year-over-year. These amounts represent 15% of PAD's revenue versus 20% in the same period of last year, and stable compared to last quarter. The improved efficiency has come from personal and marketing expenses leverage, even with more investments to advertise PagBank's new products, as well as the contribution of PagBank and Hub's revenue growth. This amount excludes POS write-off and one-time effects related to software disposals, write-off of our investment on Boletoflex, and payment agreement with our POS supplier related to Pactform. In the right chart, financial expenses closed at 921 million reais versus 210 million reais in Q321. Around 90% of this increase is explained by the hike of CELIC, and the remaining portion of 10% was related to higher TPV volume, prepayment of receivables to merchants, and credit card mix. These effects were partially offset by repricing in acquiring, APYs increase on credit underwriting, and lower cost of funding through deposits growth, combined to lower spreads negotiated with capital markets. We continue to focus on improving our funding process, diversifying sources, and extending terms to leverage our banking license and support the company growth. Financial expenses was our biggest challenge during the past quarters. However, the Brazilian Central Bank has been keeping interest rates stable for a while. The last interest rate increase was in August this year. In September and November meetings, kept the counter interest rate stable. In the next slide, 
CAPEX to revenue ratio reached a 12.4%, D squared versus 16.8% in 2021, and 14.7% in Q222. This decrease is driven by lower CAPEX related to a strategy of being more selective in merchant acquisition to leverage PagBank, and the increase of HUB and PagBank's revenue. We expect to keep this ongoing downtrend in CAPEX to revenue ratio over the coming quarters. In the following chart, adjusted EBITDA minus CAPEX reached a positive amount of 268 million reais, more than double of Q421, and slightly better compared to last quarter. It reflects PAG's focus on maximized LTV to CAC ratio and improve cash earning by reducing POS subsidies and adding more valuable merchants to, into our ecosystem. On slide 15, PAG's net cash balance ended the third quarter at 9 billion reais, improving 400 million reais quarter over quarter. This was mainly driven by TPV growth, higher share of credit card transactions, and larger penetration of same-day prepayment to merchants. At the same time, we have been improving our capital structure, and it is quarter with 74% of financing position funded by third-party capital. On top of that, PAGS is diversifying funding sources to support volume growth, lowering funding costs to consolidate a strong balance sheet. To conclude our presentation, I will turn back to Alexandre for the final remarks. Thanks, Arthur. I would like to review our guidance for Q322 and establish a ballpark for the full year 2022 results. Total revenue in Q322 was 4.04 billion reais, higher than the guidance low end. For 2022, we expect to reach between 15.36 to 15.46 billion reais. Net income, non-gap, was higher than the guidance high end, totaling 411 million reais. For 2022, we expect to deliver a net income non-gap between 1.57 to 1.6 billion reais. Net income gap reached 380 million reais. For 2022, we expect to reach between 1.45 to 1.48 billion reais, the highest of our history, mainly to do efficient capturing marketing and personal expenses in a year with high pressure over financial expenses due to the hike of Brazilian interest rate. Before we move to Q&A, I would like to share our priorities for the coming year. Our focus is to keep the consistent execution of our strategy, balancing growth and profitability to deliver EPS growth while we keep the development of the capabilities that will enable our banking and acquire businesses to capture even more value in the future. The key components of this consistent execution are very diligent cost and expense control to leverage OPEX and CAPEX to revenue rate, relevant chargebacks and loss reduction, consolidation of PAC bank business by growing deposits, cards TPV, secured credit portfolio, and usage increase in the merchant's base, grow faster than the market in payments in a profitable way, Lastly, 
to reinforce our one-stop shop value proposition by merging banking and acquiring. Now we ended our presentation and we'll open for the Q&A session. Operator, please. Thank you. We will now be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line to the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your headset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we pull for questions. Our first question comes from Mar Mario Pierre with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, good evening. Uh, congratulations on the results. Let me ask you two questions. One is how are you seeing the competitive environment in Brazil and your ability to continue to reprice your product? And, and then second is related to your guidance. We noticed you did not provide guidance for TPV growth, something that you normally do. And also when we look at the net income in the fourth quarter implied on your guidance, we're getting 385 to 415 million reais, which would be down to flat versus the third quarter. So just wondering why would net income fall or, or remain flat uh, in the fourth quarter? Thank you. Hi, Mario. This is Ricardo. Thank you for, for the question. Good to hear you. Uh, regarding the, the competitive environment, just sometimes we forget here to, to point out the, the accomplishments that we, we've been reaching in Taxi Group, uh, which is the summary of the slide five that we showed in the presentation. Because, I mean, we, we, with less than 40 days for the end of the year, uh, this year is going to be the year that we're going to have the highest um, net income for the company overall. If you look at the first nine months of the, the year uh, compared to other listed companies such as uh, Stone, Cielo, and GetNet, we are three to five times more profitable than, than our peers. Um, we have 3.2 times more clients than the second player. And uh, even with that, we've been able to increase prices and with no additional churn. So and combining with that, we also world market share winner in the first three quarters, plus 92 bips. And I'm making this, let's say, a little bit long answer to you here just to show how solid and resilient our business model is. And it's very difficult to, to duplicate it. Uh, and having said that, the competitive environment is not different than what we've been seeing in the past quarters. I guess the competitive environment was even harder right after our IPO in 2018, 2019. But nowadays, uh, we've been seeing that competition is not as tough as it used to be in the past, and we do have the ability to keep repricing if necessary. We, we think that repricing is an ongoing process, uh, depending on how it's going to be the dynamics for the macroeconomic um, scenario next year. If necessary, we'll keep increasing and raising our prices. Because we do believe we have a powerful combination that is acquiring plus banking, uh, all the value proposition that we have that is very unique. So, if necessary, we will keep repricing. Uh, also important to say that to, to reach the, the, the net income that we had in Q3, if you look at the numbers, we had an increase 
of more than 700 million reais in financial expenses versus last year. And even with that, we were able to reprice our base. And if you do the math, financial income minus financial expenses was even better than last year in absolute terms. So just to show that we are able to keep repricing, if necessary, we will do it. Regarding the guidance, you're right. In the bottom of the guidance, the implicit uh, net income non-gap for Q4 is 385, and the top of the guys is going to be 415. Of course, we do this range because we have many moving parts here. But just to, to give a, an overview of what's going on in Brazil here, um, we have some, some moving parts that can help PPV, such as the additional salary that people receive, receive the 13th salary, and also the, the holiday season with Black Friday and Christmas season that people usually spend more money. But this year is kind of weird because we don't know how it's going to be this, the usage of this additional salary. All, uh, the population is very, very uh, with debit at this point after the pandemic. We see some uh, consumption constraint due to the lower credit offer in the market from, from bank issuers. And we also have, uh, right, we, we had right after the elections, we had this uh, truck driver strike right after the second round of, of the presidential elections for two or five days, depending on the region of Brazil. So they also create a little bit of mess. Not to say that we just see the beginning of the World Cup and we don't know how it's going to be, how it's going to be the impact. We estimate here that could impact us between three to four billion. So it's going to be a one-off situation with this World Cup in the fourth quarter. Uh, fourth quarter, we have more debit transactions than the rest of the year. Usually, metric rate in Q4 is lower than the rest of the year. Although this year the Q4 is going to be higher than last year. Q4, usually there is a decrease between Q3 and Q4. So those are the moving parts, and that's why we are giving this, this range between 385 and 415. Uh, so that's why we, we, we are giving this uh, range. Okay, Dutra, so let me follow up then. Uh, the first one is on the take rate. So have we seen the full impact of all the repricing they have done? Is that already reflected on your numbers, or did you do any any price hikes during the quarter there not yet reflected? And then the second, I understand why you have less visibility on, on CPV, but this is a key metric that you normally provide guidance on. So, like, I was just wondering, like, you know, like, when you come up with your bottom line estimates, what kind of growth are you expecting on TPV? Mario, there is going to be growth against the Q3. We, we are not disclosing exactly growth for, for TPV in Q4, but there's going to be growth. Um, so when we have this, as I said, this estimate that World Cup impact, not to say the other events that I mentioned before, but yeah, there will be growth in TPV. And answer a question in repricing, we did make some repricing in Q4 as well. We, we did some increase in repricing in Q4 as well. So what you see is some decrease in net take rate. But when we make this math, net take rate minus financial expenses, uh, the decrease between Q3 and Q4 is lower than the net take rate before financial expenses because we, we increased the prices. So that's we've seen so far. We have still, I mean, 40 days to the end of the year. Of course, we have some visibility, but as, as a Brazilian that you are, you know that World Cup and soccer in Brazil, it's kind of people pay attention to that. So that's why you have this, 
uh, uncertainty about TPV, but there's going to be growth. We just are not disclosing exactly growth at this point, Mario. Okay, fair enough. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next question comes from Brian Keane with Deutsche Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, for the third quarter, I think you got it acquiring TPV to 91 to 92 billion, and it fell a little bit below that. We've been used to you guys kind of beating numbers. Um, so anything to call out in the quarter in particular that, that had you fall a little bit below expectations in acquiring TPV? Brian, uh, yes, I would say to you that there are two main main variables here that impacted the Q3 uh, TPV. One is deflation, surprising as it might be, but we had deflation in Brazil in Q3 in two in three, two months of out of three uh, in in Q3, and also we see some uh, bank issuers decreasing the credit offer for the consumers. We we are seeing that the the scenario for uh, consumers with debt is kind of hard. So banks are decreasing the credit offer. So that's why we see this, uh, let's say, a little bit below than what we thought before in our, in our Q3. But uh, I'd just like to highlight that, and you know that TPV is one of the metrics that you have. But of course, we are working on to keep growing the company in terms of revenues and also growing in terms of net income. So... Uh, although we stay a little bit below in, in TPV because of the, the reasons that I mentioned to you, we are uh, beating the other two metrics that is that are very important in our view related to P&L, which are uh, revenues and net income gap and non-gap. Uh, I think uh, this is Alexander Bright. Uh, it's important also to mention that uh, during Q3, uh, that the Brazilian cards industry uh, has shrunk uh, from second Q, and, and we normally, uh, uh, we grow uh, our total TPV comparing to, to second Q. Uh, while the industry grew 20%, we grew 35% uh, on a year-over-year -year basis. Got it. And then when we look at the fourth quarter, I know we talked about net income, and, and some of the same factors are going to obviously apply, but the total revenue and income growth, I think we got it at 23 to 26% for the fourth quarter, which is quite a bit below the run rate you guys have been doing this fiscal year. It sounds like World Cup and maybe some economic factors to consider there. Anything else to think about and how much of that is one time? So when we get into to first quarter next year, can we see a reacceleration of that total revenue and income growth? Brian, in absolute terms, we we estimate that World Cup could impact us between three or up to four billion reais. So that's one one off. Uh, and just to to reinforce here that when we look at the percentage, the growth as a percentage. Uh, Q4 last year was uh, is a hard comp for us because at least in Brazil, last quarter 2021 was when really the the economy was reopened in Brazil. So people spend a lot in Q4 last year. So when you look at the percentage, uh, it, it it could look at that we are not growing that much, but we had a hard comp from Q4 last year. But as a one-off, I would say that the World Cup mainly is the is the main. I would say headwind in this quarter. 
And then how about when we jump off into next year? Obviously, we won't have the World Cup headwind, but but is there is a possibility we can reaccelerate in the first quarter on on a total revenue and income basis? Brian, it, it is possible, but we cannot be let's say disconnected that we are growing much more than the industry. If you look in the past six years, we are growing 60, 80 percent more than the industry. So this quarter. Industry grew 20%, we grew 35%, so 77% more than the industry. So what I'm trying to say here is we cannot be disconnected from what's going on in the industry as a whole. So if there's going to be growth in the industry in Q1, we're accelerating, we will we accelerate even more. If we have this credit consumption uh, constraint and the industry doesn't grow that much, we will grow more than the industry, but not as much as we'd like to. So. That's that's the, the, the macro overview. I mean, the best answer to give it to you is we plan and we do believe that we are able to keep growing more than the industry, as we've been doing the past six years. But, of course, we cannot be disconnected from, from the industry as a whole. Got it. Yep, market share gains are obviously important, so that's that's the best you can do. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Brian. Next question comes from Domingos Falavina with Banco JP Morgan. Please go ahead. I do to everyone on the call. Thanks for, for taking the, the question. Uh, my question, um, twofold question here as well, um, or less on, I guess, non-controllable items like you know, industry TPV and, and more on the pricing, which you have more control. So uh, when we look at the MDR revenues, you know, ballpark, it grew low 1%. Um, similar to TPV, Q1Q, uh, which is perfect, right? I mean, no major price contraction or anything. When we look at the net financial result, however, uh, and we do add all the lines, as, as you guys know, it shrank by 8%, um, Q1Q. We look at your deposit base, it, it, it grew massively, right? Especially the banking side, like 5 billion in deposits. The cost of your funding, I think, went down 2 percentage points from like 119 to 117. So I, I guess my question to you here is, is a twofold. It seems obviously the deposit impacted part of that, maybe 20, 30 million, but out of the 100 million you, you shrank in Q1, Q1 financial result, there was some squeeze in, in pricing. So on that uh, front, why pay so much for deposits, um, growing so much the deposit base and, and impact the negative net financial result? Question within that as well. Um, why did this shrink? Why not, you know, increase more? One of your peers that was the latest one to pass through had 50% increase in net financial results Q and Q. Um, what can we expect on this? Like we, we want to see price increases, I guess, and and this is is not consistent with the TPV growth and and is on the opposite direction. The glass half full, um, doing the second one already, is on OPEX. OPEX was very good, basically down even Q and Q1, 1%, uh, especially cost of services. Can can we expect this, you know, sort of, of cost discipline going forward, basically, and growing below um, PPV? Thanks. Hi, Domingos. I will start with the answer. Thank you for the question. Good to hear. Uh, I will start with the question in, in, in regarding repricing and your question about, that you said, paying the interest that you pay in deposits, and then Arthur can get in details of the numbers with you. But um, we are not discarding to keep making repricing in Q4. Uh, we made at the beginning of Q4 a little bit, uh, but if necessary, we can do more. But we are happy with the, the growth that we've seen 
and the net income that we have been presenting so far. So, um, answer a question. Could we increase price a little bit more? Yes. We will do it. We don't know. Uh, we are uh, growing uh, more than the industry. We are two times more profitable than our peers. So, to some extent, we think that we are in good levels and we need to keep growing and taking advantage of the acquiring as a mean for people to use Black Bank more and more. So, that's also important for us to use this, this powerful combination between acquiring and Black Bank. Regarding deposits, uh, yes, we did grow a lot, uh, but when you make the mix between what you pay in the balance accounts and what you pay for the CDs, uh, on average, we are having a cost that is a few basis points below CDI in our deposits. It's still high, that you think, but it should go down because as time passes by, deposits will be more and more important and it's going to take share from CDs. So, uh, it used to be higher two quarters ago. Now it's a little bit lower, a few basis points below CDI. So that's why we are uh, still growing this base. The, the, the average cost for deposits, of course, is not at the level of other big financial institu institutions have in Brazil. Uh, but we are decreasing quarter after quarter, uh, a few basis points here and there. But regarding the numbers, I guess Arthur can give you more uh, more data, and also important to say, I guess after we will we'll said about that, but in Q3 we have five more working days than compared to Q2, and that creates an impact in financial expenses, and Arthur can, can explain. Yeah, I think, uh, and Domingo, thanks, thanks for, the, for your question, and I, I think two, two things here. The first one is exactly what Dutra said. We have four, five days, uh, working days more in Q3 than Q2, uh, and this impacts our cost because it's, it's based on, on, on working days, okay? And the PPV obviously is a whole month, not exactly by working days. And so this is the, this difference and create this gap when you analyze the growth of PPV and the growth of financial expenses. Uh, uh, doesn't, sorry the ignorance here, but doesn't the prepayment revenues also take into consideration working days? Because yes. that's down, right? So it's not like you, you increase prices in a, in a way or another, you shrink, like it results in nominal terms shrink, you No, no, the, the price that we have here is based on the transactions that we have for the month, not exactly for working days, because our price is a, a, a pre-rate a pre instead of a rate linked to CDI. This is the, ah, okay. the, the, the point. And also, when we think about the cost, the cost is based on the CDI. And the CDI moves up or down depending on the working days uh, for each month or each quarter in the case of Q2 versus Q3. Uh, regarding to expenses, as you mentioned, uh, we have a, a, a very good approach on expenses as part of our future control costs, investments, and everything that we need to do. It's more under our control, uh, taking this attention on expenses. Uh, as, as you know, we are moving up uh, we have deflation from July to September, we have inflation in October, uh, but we are paying attention a lot in, in these movements in, uh, related to inflation because it affects our costs. Uh, and also, we are uh, really close to the movements of uh, interest rate in the country because it was the, the biggest expense or cost that we have in our, our PNL. And, and clear. 
Real quick here that you mentioned about uh, one of the other companies that increases the, the financial income. If, if I get it right, uh, your question, if you make this math between financial income minus financial expenses, you're going to see that year over year they grew 34 million reais and we grew almost 50 million reais. So maybe we didn't grow at the same pace that they had, but if you look at this net financial expenses minus financial income, we had uh, uh, an increase as well. So in, in no, certainly, but but I think like the, the delta last Q and Q is especially important given Selic is moving up, right? We went from a scenario of Selic expected decreasing I don't know, 150 to 150 basis points, certain days a couple of weeks back to Selic increasing. So I think it's important to understand what management had is as far as you know doing more price increases. If we don't have those rate cuts, especially if we have rate increases, right? I think it's something I should be vocal about. Okay, so so going back to our question, we are able to reprice mm -hmm. if necessary. All right. Right. Thank you, guys. Okay, thank you. Next question comes from Neha Agarwala with HSBC. Please go ahead. Hi, congratulations on the result and thank you for taking my question. On the funding cost, how, how much are you paying on average for? the customer deposits that you're gathering and should we expect a similar increase in customer deposits next quarter a strong increase which should lead to higher financial expenses uh, my second question is on your funding structure could you uh, please elaborate how are you funding the prepayment business what percentage is coming from factoring uh, of receivables with the large banks how much is coming from your deposit base uh, so on and so forth. And my last question is on taxes. The tax rate was uh, quite low this quarter, and you mentioned the uh, two specific benefits which led to a lower tax rate. What should we expect going forward in the coming quarters? Thank you so much. Nihai Zatu speaking. Thank you for your three questions. So I think regarding funding costs, to be very straight to the point, the cost that we have related to deposits is few basis points lower than CDI. Okay. Uh, the second, the second point related to the funding structure that we have. Uh, first of all, we use the equity position that we have. It's like uh, 10 billion reais. The second point is factoring, or, or sorry, the second point that we use is deposits, the balance account from the clients. Uh, the third point is factoring to the bank issuers. And the third one is uh, issuing CDs in the market, uh, in retail uh, investors or also institutional uh, companies. And the third point related to tax income, uh, we have 11% uh, of effective tax rate this quarter compared to 17% uh, last quarter. Uh, and it's related to uh, uh, incentives to R&D investments that we do. Uh, since the beginning of the company, we have this incentive from the government. Uh, and the, the second point is related to revenue that we have abroad. Um, and so those two benefits help us in this effective tax rate. Uh, going forward, you can expect something from 10 to 15% for Q4 uh, and something below 20% uh, uh, in the coming years. And Nira, this is Eric, just a two cents here. This positive impact on lower tax rate is offset 
by higher tax collections in the top line. Okay, so financial income should be higher, excluding taxes. But since the Brazilian Central Bank changed the regulation, and there's a full disclosure in our earnings release about that, we are collecting more taxes in the top line, primarily financial income. So by the end of the day, this is a net event because the positive effect on lower tax rate offsets the higher tax collection collection in the top line on the financial income. Perfect. If I can just quickly follow up uh, regarding the funding cost, would should you should we expect you to continue gathering deposits at a similar pace, or could you think about maybe lowering the remuneration a bit? and uh, lowering your funding cost for the deposits in the coming quarter? Nihal, we don't see that decelerating, at least at this point. We are keeping growing in our deposits. Uh, I don't have it on top of my mind if it's going to be the same 170%, the, this astonishing number that you had in Q3, but we don't see that decelerating. We, we still keep growing, getting new clients and getting new deposits and CDs. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Next question comes from Tito Labarta with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hi, good evening. Thanks for the call and taking my question. A couple of questions also. Uh, I guess first, just to think about your ability to grow earnings for, for next year. You know, when we look at your, your margins, you know, they, they kind of continue to come down on your guidance. Looks like margins could begin to stabilize perhaps next quarter. Um, when we think about the margin, should, should that be just mainly a function of, of interest rates? You know, once interest rates start to come down, your, your margins can go up. I don't know if there's any color you can give on how your margins you sort of the big the difference in margins between your SMB clients versus micro merchants, if that's going to have any impact uh, as well. Uh, and then my second question, uh, going back on, on your market share, I know you, you, you've been you, you've gained a lot of market share this year, but when we look at the quarterly evolution, most of that market share gain came at the beginning of the of the year, and then the last couple quarters you've gained you know more like ten dips. Per quarter or so. So just to think about, is that mainly a function of your repricing and that has slowed your market share gains? How, how should we think about your ability to continue to gain share you know, going forward? Thank you. Hi, Tito. Uh, so regarding the, the margins, we, to be honest here, we are not looking for margins expansion. We are looking for EPS accretion, EPS growth, because we, we are three to five times more profitable than our peers. So when you reach this kind of position, uh, it's, it's kind of we have a very decent EPS. If you look last year, our EPS was around 90 cents of reais per quarter, and this year is one real and 10 cents, one real 15 cents this year. So we are growing EPS. That's what we are looking for. Keep growing the company and keep growing EPS. Uh, margins is not a main focus for the company at this time, and I don't think it will be in the short term because for us, these two main drivers are very important. Keep growing the company and, and keep growing EPS. Regarding market share, you're right. We grew like 10 bips in the past quarter or a little bit more than that, but we have been consistently gaining market share. Uh, I don't think that we're going to see a change in the trajectory. There could be a, a, a quarter that we could gain more share, a quarter that we're going to gain like 10 bips, as you mentioned. 
But I guess the trajectory that we've been having so far is a very consistent trajectory of gaining share quarter after quarter. And to be honest, and to be honest, market share is a consequence of what we've been doing here. We also we don't see that we need to grow market share at any price. We don't go to big clients decreasing prices to gain market share and to hurt our profitability. So the, the market share is consequence of what we've been doing at this point, getting new clients, profitable clients, and uh, growing EPS. Thanks, Dutra. That, that's helpful. Um, and sorry, just to follow up on, on the margins. Yeah, I mean, I understand um, yeah, the, the target is to, to grow EPS, but I think that will just help us understand how much your EPS can grow. So it, it, would potential margin expansion come mostly from lower interest rates? Also just trying to think how the mix impacts the margins, just to think yeah, how, how much earnings can grow um, sort of kind of longer term from here. Hi, Chito. This is Eric. I think company's profitability, we think here, does not rely only in lower interest rates moving forward. We have some tailwinds here that we expect to unlock moving forward already in 2023. The first one is revenues growth on PAG Bank. And revenues grow, remember, as the duration of the new credit products that we have been underwriting are four times longer in comparison to the working capital loans. Naturally, the NII 2023 onwards tends to be stronger as we underwrite more, but with a longer duration products. And the market share gains in payments naturally should lead revenues grow in combination with PAG bank revenue. So the revenues grow is the first tailwind. The second one is when you look the operating expenses as a percentage of revenues, this decreased from 20% last year in Q2 and Q3 to 15% in Q2 and Q3 2022. So necessarily we are getting operating leverage and investors should expect this level or even a lower level of our operation expenses as a percentage of revenue. So this would be the second tailwind that we have here. Third, it's important to mention that there are no cash effects, mainly related to depreciation amortization, that impacts profitability, but there's no impact in cash flow generation. For example, when we look at the Q3 cash flow, operating cash flow minus investing cash flow or capital expenditures, we had more than half billion reais in cash flow generation. But depreciation amortization should be higher in 2023 on the back of previous capital expenditures that we had. But having said that, these are the main tailwinds that we see. And naturally, we are working to see EPS growing in 2023 in comparison to 2022. That's great. That's great color, Eric. Thanks for that. Um, just, just one quick follow-up on that. It, with the SMB segment, should that be a headwind or a tailwind? Just, I mean, as as the hubs become maybe more profitable, can that also be a tailwind? Just to think about how, how the the mix impacts it as well. We expect it to be a tailwind, and this tailwind is captured by revenues growth and operating expenses savings as a percentage of revenues. Great. Perfect. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Tito.
The next question comes from Jeff Cantwell with Wells Fargo. Please go ahead. Hey, thank you very much. Um, just wanted to follow up on a little bit on, on that last uh, round of questions and was hoping we could focus on slide seven of the presentation. If we look at the active merchant base over the past three quarters, it's gone 7.7 million, 7.5 million, and then 7.3 million. So I guess the question is, is and, and clearly, you know, this is in the context of what you're, you're discussing, which is you're focusing on the quality of merchants, um, which is completely understandable. So, so we're just hoping you could help us out and think through where that merchant base uh, potentially might go over time. I mean, in other words, just ask like a very intentionally, you know, kind of like barbells type of question. You know, it, it won't decline perpetually, will it? You know, meaning at some point the thinking would be that that merchant base would level out. So, and then, you know, start to increase again. So, was hoping you might be able to provide us any type of color uh, in order to help us calibrate some expectations for 2023 and beyond. Thank you very much. Hi, Jeff. I'll, I'll try to answer your questions with the, the data that you have so far and we've been seeing in this, in the company in the past quarters and what we plan for, for the near future. But, uh, we said a few quarters ago that it was the conscious decision not to focus on nano merchants at this point because with the service that we, we, we offer for the POS and so on, it was very hard to, to get profits from this, this kind of merchants. So we took this conscious decision to uh, get merchants a little bit higher than nano merchants, to get the real one, the long tail merchants. And, and, and it is working because the, the TPV per cohort in this slide seven is growing uh, 36% in the fourth month after the, the merchant came to come to us. So that's one why we took the decision not to keep investing in, in the number of merchants and um, focus more on the quality, as you, as you said. Also important to say, when you look at the 90 days, although we don't give this disclosure, the base is growing on 90 days base. It's not uh, decreasing. And uh, when you look at the merchants that we've been losing, let's say the 7.5 to 7.3, it's a very, very uh, small amount of TPV that we have. As you can see, industry grew 20%, we grew 35%, even losing some, some clients. So it's really conscious decision that we took to grow uh, our base, or not to grow our base, to focus on bringing gross ads or new ads with higher uh, TPV per month. And then we, we, we may be losing some uh, small nano merchants. Uh, I don't have here the answer to say to you when it's going to be growing again, but I would say that as we, as we measure these active merchants in a 12 month space, uh, I guess part of the churn is already happening. So uh, maybe in, Q, in 2023, in first quarter 2023, you can give a more color uh, about that. So or when it's going to be the churn decreasing. Uh, because the gross ads, we are having decent number of gross ads with decent TPV per merchant. But the, the number that is, the, the dynamic that is impacting this number is because we are having churn from small than the merchants that we had in the base already. But again, very small TPV from these merchants. Okay. Okay, great. Appreciate all the color. And then just moving further down, uh, 
the, the slide deck to your net take rate. When we look at that, it's up 48 bips over the past year. It looks like about 15 basis points over the past quarter. So I was hoping, could you walk us through, there's so many puts and takes to that number these days, and um, we just try to get a little more color. We're all trying to think about 2023 and, you know, obviously beyond. So so how should we think about the net take rate, given what your, your clearly expanding impact bank, um, you know, other value-added services, such a big, big piece of the puzzle these days, and Clearly, we're also looking at, you know, financial income and so forth. So, so it's hoping you can kind of walk us through um, any type of high-level thoughts on the trajectory of the net take rate from here. Thanks very much. Hi, Jeff. You're right. We've been, we've been increasing our net take rate because of the repricing, of course. Part of that to, to, to offset the increasing financial uh, expenses. Uh, the way we look here, uh, looking in the short term, and with all the, the uncertainties that we have at this point, but in short term, it's going to be flattish or a little bit low. And not because we are decreasing prices or because we are going to, to, to decrease prices in the near future, but just because of a mix of clients. Because as we get a little bit larger clients than we have, we used to have in the past with the SMBs growing, in the mix, the net rate is a little bit low, but of course, they have five to six times more TPV than long tail. So this is the, the, the moving part here that may affect net take rate, uh, increasing mix for SMBs and a little bit larger clients than long tail. Uh, but going back to our question, straight to the point, it's going to be flattish or a little bit lower. And of course, we will try to work to offset that through OPEX, leverage, as Eric mentioned, and other uh, lines that we can control in the financial expenses or in other costs that we, we may control here. And in the financial expenses, uh, Jeff, this is Eric, let me remind you that as we replace factoring receivables against the card issuers, which impacts upfrontly our financial expenses to deposits growth, naturally we can manage better the spreads moving forward. So necessarily this is what we expect, not only relying on lower interest rates to get operating leverage in 2023, but also work much more in the spreads, balancing deposits, and factoring receivables against the bank issues. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate all the color, and congrats on the results. Thank you, Jeff. Next question comes from Josh Siegler with Cantor Fitzgerald. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my question this evening. Uh, I was wondering if you could provide a little more color on the market forces at play that allow you to have the best in class take rate gains, right? Like, how were you able to achieve the highest repricing in the industry? Thank you. Hi, John. Uh, thank you for the question. So, um, I would not say you there is one silver bullet here to, to answer that, but I would say you that one advantage that we have that is very, very powerful, it is the fact that we have a, a combination between acquiring and banking. And that's something that clients really use. They give value. They understand the value proposition. 
And by the fact that you have this acquiring plus banking also allow us to make this automatically or instant settlement right after the transaction. So when when you have a sale in a Sunday in a Sunday morning, you have access to this money two minutes two minutes after the transaction. It doesn't matter if it's a week and holiday and so on. So that's a very powerful combination that you leverage. Uh, the fact that we also have a huge base of long tail clients also helps us because we we are able to let's say cut some promotions that we had in the past and these clients they are much more focused on getting the money as fast as possible than to to the price itself so i would say this is the the main reason why we we are able to to, to increase prices and and still gain a share and be more profitable than others so not to say here it's, it's not a let's say moral like the, the, the DNA of the company is a tech DNA, self-service, and so on. But I'll say you that the value proposition that you have with banking plus acquiring and the instant settlement, not to say the execution, customer service, one app, one one-stop shop also help us. The combination of all of the things make us a different company and allow us to increase price uh, in a very successful way. Got it. That's very helpful. And then for my follow-up, I was wondering if you are currently expecting traditional seasonality between debit and credit mix as we had in the 4Q, especially considering the World Cup impact. Yes, we do expect a little bit increase in debit uh, for the fact that people receive an additional salary in Brazil, so they have liquidity. Uh, we don't know how it's going to be this year that you said at the beginning, John, because people after the pandemic, they have a lot of debit. So we don't know if they're going to use this additional salary to pay back their debits, to pay down their debits, or if they're going to use for consumption. But we do expect a little bit uh, increase in, in debit as a percentage of our volumes in Q4. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you for answering my question. Thank you very much. Next question comes from Caio Prato with UBS. Please go ahead. Hello, everyone. Good night. Thanks for the opportunity. So I have uh, one question here related to CapEx. Uh, it reached close to 250 million reais this quarter, while you continue to show negative net ads. I understand the moving parts on non-emotions that uh, you mentioned during the call, but I was wondering if you can give a little bit more color about your gross ads, how this has evolved during this year, and more specifically in the third quarter. And moreover, how should we think about CapEx moving forward? And the second part of my question, if I may, if you can talk a little bit more about your expectations on the purchase of intangibles as well, if we should expect the same pace of growth in 2023 or not, and what should be the drivers for that? Thank you very much. Hi, okay. well, Regarding the, the, the CapEx uh, related to, to POS, we... We, if we exclude the non-emergence, we are growing our base. So when you look at these numbers, the, the total number may be decreasing 12 months, but if you exclude the non-emergence, we are growing uh, double digits, more than, than high double digits here, high teams, if we look at the excluding the non-emergence. So that's why we're still uh, investing in CapEx. That's the first thing. The second one is usually the merchants that we are getting uh, different than what they had in the past. Today, as they are SMBs, they usually require POS with higher prices. 
So that's why uh, in volumes they are a little bit small, but in, in absolute terms, in reais, uh, we don't see this impact. The average price of these devices with printers and so on, they are a little bit higher. Uh, but it's fine because these are the clients that we are looking for. Clients that you really use, they buy the device, they use the device with printers because they have some volume. So uh, are 100% aligned with the strategy that we had. So that's the, the main explanation, I would say, for the the capex in terms of POS. Regarding the IT investments and so on, I can give you Arthur to, I can ask Arthur to give you more, more color on that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Caio, thank you for your question. Uh, regarding to IT investments that we are doing, is part of the control of expenses that we also are doing. If you take a look on the, the trend Q1, Q2, Q3, we are pretty flat, I you say, in the investments that we are doing. And we do not expect to grow too much next year, these investments of uh, R&D. Uh, but it's an important part of our business to develop new features, new products to launch for PagBank and PagSegura. Okay, thank you. So I understood that probably uh, regarding to intangibles, it should not grow, grow in the same pace. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. And on the CapEx side, uh, if you could mention your expectations for next year, we should see uh, growth, but not at the same pace as well. Is that right? Exactly. You're right. Uh, we, we see some growth based in, in IT, but not the same rate that we saw in the past. And for the POSs, uh, we see more stable than, than growth. I think it's more flat, flat than, than what we see this year. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Kyle. Next question comes from Jeffrey Elliott with Autonomous. Please go ahead. Oh, hello. Thanks very much for taking the question. Um, quick one on PICS. First of all, could you confirm whether PICS is included uh, at all within the acquiring TPV that you report? And then... How big has PIX become um, in terms of the acquiring side of the business and any insights you can share on the, the profitability that you're generating there? Thank you. Hi, Jeffrey. Uh, yes, PIX is in these numbers of the, the acquiring. We have footnotes. So every volumes that we have in our ecosystem that generate revenues, regardless if it's MDR prepayment or even if it is fixed fee, we do include in our acquiring TPV because that's we understand where we make some revenues and we should report. So PIX is there. PIX is very small. PIX QR code that goes to our POS is still very small. It is growing quarter after quarter, but it's very, very small. Uh, the profitability of this type of transaction is very, very good for us because we we charge an MDR that's a, a little bit lower than debit, but we don't have the cost that you have in a debit transaction such as uh, interchange and card scheme fees. So that's the, the dynamics and the economics of this transaction. Uh, more profitable than debit. Uh, it is growing quarter after quarter, but very, very, very small. And Jeff? The market share gains in the slide five is on a BEX criteria, considering only debit, credit, and prepaid cards. Yeah, that's a good point. This, these volumes regarding peaks and other 
payments that you have, even online, such as boletos, bank slips, they are not in this uh, market share calculation that we did in, in slide five. That's, uh, that's great. You read my mind on the follow-up question. Thanks very much. Thank you, Jeff. Next question comes from Sumi Dalta with Do Street Research. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Yeah, um, a couple of questions, please, if that's okay. Um, firstly, on the um, HUD's contribution, which is um, – 31% of, uh, of TPV, I think, up from about 28% in the in the last quarter. So, you know, one of the dynamics we're thinking about as we're as we're as we're looking forward with the take rates is the is the mix of TPV mix between micro and and um, SMB. I just wondered where do you think we are in terms of that hubs contribution? Are we close to it to it leveling out, or do we just think it will continue to? Um, to expand as a percentage of total, and I guess as a result that will have a dilutive effect on take rates going forward. Be interested in your perspectives on that one. Um, and then a quick follow-up, please. Just on the credit product, we've seen a nice lift in the loan book this quarter, um, increase coming through from secured lending. Just trying to get a sense as to the, the underlying yield on that credit book. Obviously, it must be declining as the secured lending um, becomes, a, be, becomes a higher component. Just sort of curious how that underlying credit revenue is, is evolving. Loan book is going up, yield is coming down in the near term. Is the, is the underlying credit revenue expanding? A little um, sort of help there would be really appreciated. Thanks. Hi, Sumit. Um, starting with the Herb's question, uh, we are not – uh, opening new hubs as we used to do in the past. Maybe there could be a new hub here and there to serve a, a part of the city or a neighbor of the city with a high concentration of, of merchants and so on, but the, the majority or the largest amount of investments in hubs is already done. So, as Alexander said in, in their presentation, we are covering with our hubs 90% of our GDP. Uh, we are growing. Productivity of, of salespeople in the streets is very well. I guess we reached a very good point of, of um, productivity from our people, from our salespeople. Uh, how big hubs can be? Well, I don't have here the, the final answer, but if you look at the, the past quarters, it's been growing like 3 5% quarter after quarter in the mix. Last quarter was 28, now it's 31. I don't see that decelerating in the short term. So if hubs will be, how's going to be the percentage of the hubs? I guess we need to wait a little bit. But we see that growing in Q4, and we see that growing in Q1 and Q2 next year. So uh, that's, you're right when you say that in terms of net take rate, it could be a headwind. But if we, if we consider that they have five to six more volumes than long tail in nominal margins, it makes total sense. And with all the products that we've been launching for SMBs in our PEG bank accounts, such as debit cards that we launched recently, we also see the opportunity that we can not only bring these SMBs for our uh, acquiring, but also expand the penetration of the PEG bank in the SMB space. So that's, that's the dynamics for the hubs. Regarding this, the, the lending, uh, what happens here is that in the secured products, we have the duration 
much longer than what he had in the working capital. It's, to give a sense to you, it's like three to four times longer than the working capital in terms of duration. And the yields, it's kind of half of what we had in the working capital. So we can imagine that in the short term, the revenues are not as big as they used to be for the working capital. But when we start to stack different cohorts, this uh, revenue will keep growing, and we are bringing these clients that will guarantee the revenue, so to say, for um, a longer term when compared to the working capital. So that's the dynamics, and that's why maybe we don't see the revenue impact been growing as fast as we expected before because we are changing the mix to have this asset quality a little bit more shift to, to secure lending. And again, they have uh, four times more duration and half of the, the yields. Uh, and it's not secret for anyone that the, the payroll law in Brazil for public employees is limited to 2.14% per month. That's the, the top of the, the, the yield that any financial institution can charge from, from the clients in this product. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Next question comes from Pedro Leduki with Itaú BBA. Please go ahead. Thank you guys so much for taking the question. First, on, on cash flow, I'd like to pick your brains a little bit as, as you're cooling off on, on TPV. We already saw a better cash flow dynamics this quarter. As we look into 2023, you know, even if it's macro-driven, is it reasonable to expect a, a, a more meaningful cash flow uh, picture here? And then if so, you know, what you believe is the best way to deploy it? You know, this quarter, we saw you paying down some debt. We bought back some shares. You know, so cash flow outlook and ways to deploy it. Thank you. Uh, so for the cash generation, obviously, we, we are... Uh, in a positive side right now, and we expect to use this to to also help us to fund in the operation. Uh, it's a good way to, to use the money to help us in the growth of the company. Uh, obviously, we have a, a repurchase of shares program. Uh, we use it almost 40% of this program until now. And for now, I don't have any answer to buy or not buy any shares, but it's a possibility in the future. Uh, the price is pretty low in our understanding. Uh, it's a, a, a good price range to, to buy more shares um, to have in the, in the treasury and use this money to do that. Uh, but the most important thing is the generation that we have in our cash flow right now. Uh, it's important to us to support the growth of the company. Got it. And, and then the second uh, unrelated question on on credit. Not sure if you commented a bit on credit quality this quarter. Uh, how your provision expenses uh, evolved? If they're you know we're seeing it, it peaking already. Uh, just to take your brains a little bit on, on credit quality. Thank you. Pedro, I'll start here and then Arthur can complement. Well, 100% of the credit that we uh, had in Q3 was secured. So, uh, of course, that helps in, in NPLs. If you look at the NPLs, NPLs are trending down. Uh, and we plan to give more disclosure on that once the credit portfolio grow 
uh, in the following quarter. So that's what we, in terms of disclosure, that I can give to you score this point. But Arthur can give you more details about the numbers and provisions and so on. Yeah, we have everything that we we understand that is uh, is necessary is provisioned. Uh, if you take a look in the uh, income statement, we have uh, some write-off there that we not executed because of uh, it's not efficient in terms of tax. Uh, when we think uh, it's efficient, we will do the write-off. Uh, but regarding to provisions, we have everything provisioned. Uh, and based on the, the quality of our book right now and going forward, uh, we understood that uh, the, the level of provisions that we are taking every quarter can be reduced going forward. Super. Thank you. and look forward to the higher disclosure. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to turn the floor over to Mr. Ricardo Dutra for his final remarks. Please, Mr. Dutra, you may proceed. Hi, everyone. Thank you for investing the time to, to listen to us and for the questions that I had. Uh, happy holidays to all of you. Uh, talk to you in the call the beginning of next year with the full year 2022. Thank you very much. This concludes PAG Bank PAG Seguros conference call. Thank you very much for your participation. You may now disconnect and have a great rest of your day.